Somebody give the Lord a hand clap on this Holy Ghost Sunday morning. Come on, CLC, make this building ring. Lord, have mercy. Hallelujah. How many understand that worship has a language of its own? Silence is a language of defeat, but shouting is a language of victory. Clapping your hands is a language of authority. Dancing and leaping is the language of joy. And running is the language of freedom. We might as well go ahead and pin our ears back this morning and somebody raise your hands and start speaking worship language. Come on, start speaking worship language. It's all right to clap your hands in this house. It's all right to leap for joy in this house. It's all right to dance in the Holy Ghost. Because worship has a language. Hallelujah. Wow. Be seated. Thank all the praise singers. Absolutely phenomenal presence in this house. This little young lady right here. Right here. Hey. Is that your daughter? Tell her to look at me. Come here. Would you come here? Come here just a minute. Come here. Come here. What's your name? I want to say something to you, okay? I've never met you before. I love the way you worship. She's had her hands up here. I want the devil to know, I don't know how long the Lord's going to tarry his coming, but we got a generation behind us. We want them to know how to worship. We want them to know how to praise the Lord. I want the devil to know we all in the army. Our kids are in the army. Our teenagers are in the army. We all in the army. I just, I watched her worshiping a while ago, and I just had to thank you so much. And you keep doing that. What an honor to be in CLC. And uh, it's been, I think, I was trying to figure out a while ago, I'm getting old. I'm not getting old. I am old. But I've been preaching in Monroe Church right at 47 years. That's how long I've been preaching. Started over there in the other building with the bishop and Sister Chance. Sister Chance, I know you're watching. We love you. Godspeed for a speedy recovery. So I've been coming here a long time. And then everybody knows the relationship that, that I have with uh, Brother and Sister Chance. And uh, my wife is upset at me because I called her to tell her what all we ate last night. And she said, well, I've been begging for all of those items that you had to eat. And I said, well, you should be here. I can't help that. But I'm going to tell you this, and uh, you can ask him about it later. But I come all the way to Monroe, and he fed me trash. Y'all can ask him later. And that trash is so good, I had it last night when I went to bed. And I confessed to him and says, Chance, a while ago, I got a bag of that trash. It's in my car. And that's what I'm going to get all the way home. You know how I feel about this family and this church. And uh, thank you, Brother Hodge, for what you said a while ago. Very, very encouraging. All the praise singers, the anointing you feel here. I, I, I didn't start yesterday, and neither did he. But there's just some things about us, I suppose, that's never going to change when it comes to a move of God. 
and, and, and I, I just, I'm just going to bear my soul to you this morning. And then I'll get in the rent car and head home. And I thank you for being here. But I'm, I'm, I'm going to ramble today. Now you, you had a good thought. Brother Chance could have come up here and preached. But I, I'm, I'm going to tell you, and I know all of the uh, Pentecostal uh, cliches. And if you want to rest, that's okay because I'm already preaching. I know them all. I, I've, I've listened to all of the New Year resolutions. And, and preachers and their vision and go That's great. I, I had a vision for our church last Sunday. <laughs> 50 years of preaching, I received the highest compliment ever, ever since I've been preaching last Sunday from a dear old saint who's uh, uh, had some health issues, finally able to come back to church, been in that church longer than I've been passing there, and I, I helped her out to the car. Her husband was there. And highest compliment in 50 years of preaching when I said, so glad you was able to come, she looked at me and she said, I want that message preached every Sunday. I said, really? We don't get requests to preach the same thing. If people request us to preach the same thing, they think, well, we didn't pray. We didn't fast. We didn't whatever. But the fact of the matter was what she was saying was simply this. If we don't get back to what got us to here now, we're not going to go any further. And there's some things that's never going to supersede what I feel in this house this morning. You can't supersede the anointing. You can't set it aside and act like it's no big deal. Like never before is there anybody in this church that says, I want an anointing to reign on my life like I've never had since I've been serving God. Well, let me, let me, let me say this to you, okay? And I, what I'm going to preach to talk to you about, it, 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 it's in here, I promise you. I'm going, to, I'm going to ask probably the dumbest question I've ever asked from the pulpit. And I expect an answer from all of you. How many of you, I can't believe I'm asking this, have ever heard it preached, talked about, testified, whatever, you heard it in Sunday school, has ever heard the story, I can't believe I'm doing this, of David and Goliath? Those that didn't raise your hand, what country are you from? <laughs> I love the kid. I mean, uh, a lot of folks in this Bible that we read about, we read about they're already 900 years old when we read about them, and they dead in the next chapter. <laughs> and then one gets pregnant in chapter 13, chapter 14, she has a baby. And we all know, that, that, that was quick. <laughs> we, we thought it took some months. So we, we understand all that. And, and, uh, but, but David's kind of the guy that we, we, we grow up with. You know, we meet him when he's a kid, and we, we grow up with him. And so he's my favorite all time outside of Jesus. If you went through all of my fabulous notes of sermons, you'd find out I love the guy. There's just so much he has to tell. I understand. I understand. Pastor, I'm not going to preach to you anything this great man hadn't already done. But I understand that for several days, around 40, the children of Israel heard a nine-foot, nine-inch-tall Goliath screaming, threatening, challenging, 40 days and 40 nights. It's in your Bible, I promise you. It's in there. 17th chapter of 1 Samuel, it's in there. The Bible said that the words were spoken, and Saul and all Israel, the Bible says they heard the words, and they were dismayed and afraid. They heard what the devil had to say, and it scared them. 
I, 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 this is, uh, if you hadn't been to Bible college, you're not going to get this because this is deep. I hang on. David has been anointed by the prophet. His father kindly says to him, you need to take this <laughs> trash to your brothers <laughs> and feed them. It's cheese and crackers. You need take, take it over there. and take, oh, Okay, fine. Same book, same Bible, same chapter. David shows up at the camp of Israel. Listen to this very carefully. The Bible says, Goliath hadn't shut his mouth. He is not going to stop till his head's whacked off. I'm fighting a devil that hadn't shut up yet. But I am here to tell CLC, he's about to have his head cut off because God has promised a revival and a victory before his coming, and I want to be a part of that. Because about nine months ago, Brother Hodge, I thought it was over with for me. I really did. I really thought my style of ministry, my style of preaching, Sister Chance, was done with. I really thought that. I was struggling, couldn't figure out how people could walk out the door and decide to go to another church and still tell me how great I was. <laughs> if I'm all that great, where are you? Why are you leaving? I don't know. Just, okay, this is what they did. And then I realized I'm just not a, I'm not a seminar guy. I just, you know, I, I got a text this morning from my precious granddaughter, and they come up with ideas and all that. I, I, that's fine. I said, y'all just do it. I'm going to go back home, Crystal, and tell them about the mingling thing out there. Because <laughs> you get people to come to church eating when you can't get them. To, well, anyway, that's a whole different deal. But I said, okay, we're going we're gonna to do it out there. I'll take them the ideas. I said, y'all do all of that. That's fine. Have all of that stuff. But here's what my calling and job is. I've got to remind you, lights in the church does not take the dope out of the attic. Are y'all hearing me? And just because we've got special effects, that doesn't take nicotine off their breath. This Bible says it is the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. Are y'all hearing me? So all I'm asking the church is, let 2023 be the greatest. I understand that. But some... The Bible says that David got out of his, whatever he was riding in, his four-wheeler or three-wheeler or pickup truck, whatever it was, he gets out. Now listen to this. Goliath, Brother Hodge, is still belting out like 20 tubas out of tune is what his voice sounded like. He's still threatening and declaring, send me a man. This is all I'm going to tell you here this morning. Here's what the Bible says. And David heard them. He heard the same words that the others had heard, the king and the rest of them, and they were afraid. David hears the same words, and he says, wait a minute. Is there not a cause? Here's what I'm going to leave you with today. When revival becomes personal, you'll turn your city upside down. I wonder what's going to happen in Christian life whenever a Holy Ghost-filled child of God decides, I've heard the devil's challenge. I heard what sin is trying to do. But if you make it personal, nobody is going to out-pray you. Nobody going to out-shout you. Nobody going to out-give you. But somebody in this church has got to make it personal. Because when it becomes personal, 
You don't wait on somebody else. <laughs> so I told my wife, April, March and April last year was bad for me. And that, that, you know, that, that precious lady in her, she says, no, sir. We may be crazy, but we can't live without our, our wives. And I was a, it wasn't nice to be with, restless, restless. I'd sit on my couch and cry. She'd encourage me, and I'd get out myself, going to the church. Because I'm not changing. A hodge of praying and fasting and giving doesn't do it. And I, I don't know what's going to do it. Because I can't just get up there with flowery words and read out of the dictionary and make people feel good. And like it's so big deal, I can't do that. Something got to get a hold of somebody says, you know what? I got to have church more than anything else. And if nobody else cares, I take it personal. When the doors are open to pray, I'm not waiting who's going to be there. I got to get there because I heard the challenge of Goliath. And while others are hiding, David said, is there not a cause? You're sitting here letting him do this and defy the armies of God? I knew the devil was after my hide. That's not my best friend knowing and my wife. I didn't know. I got in the car late at night. She said, Terry, don't go down there by yourself. I said, it's okay. You know where the life insurance papers are. Anybody wants to shoot me, they just wasted a bullet. But whatever. You know, the cops come by and say, we've had death threats. I said, well, we need you to tell us when you're here late at night and when you're about to leave. I'll send a patrolman down here and watch you get in your car. I said, are you kidding me? Nah. And he said, besides that, Reverend, do you have a weapon? I said, yeah. Lost the family when they found out I had a handgun. This is what they did. They cornered me out in the parking lot. You ought to trust God. I told the idiot that said that, I said, I do. It's the devil I have a problem with. <laughs> I ain't got the gun for God. <laughs> but anyway, they left, so be it. Whatever. So the officer said, he said, I've been a police officer for 30 years. He said, in this day and time, Reverend, I advise you to wear your weapon while you're speaking behind the pulpit. Because everybody that comes in church is not after Jesus. I said, let me get this straight. I have my license. I said, you're suggesting I wear my, my gun while I'm preaching? Yes, sir. He said, it's very serious. I said, you know. My wife said, you're not going to do that, are you? I said, hey, it may affect the offerings. <laughs> you said what now? <laughs> but anyway, I hadn't done that yet. So I got in the car and I drove down there late at night. Oh, that's miserable. God, that's miserable. I'd been there the night before and I sat in there on the altar by the chance lay and I screamed. It's just chance I screamed. God, I need to hear from somebody. I'm tired of this. I need to hear. My wife had said, call Danny. I said, I've called Danny, but I'm not calling nobody else. I need to know if God is interested in what I'm supposed to do. I need him to step in and to intervene. I'm going to jump ahead of myself and tell you. I just got to, well, I'll tell you in a moment. So I go walk in the building. It's late. And I said, 
I'm not turning any lights on. I got to my office. I was able to open the door, walk through that dark office, open the other door, walk in the auditorium. Boy, it's dark in churches at night. Y'all know that? We got people that actually believe that when the lights go off in the church, demons camp up in there. They, they scared to death. When one of them found out I'd spent the night at the church, I said, well, this is God's house. I would never stay down there. Well, I'm a child of God. Anyway, so I walk in that dark auditorium. I start making my way through there, getting to the prayer room. I know it's crazy. I'm not saying do this. No, no, no. I'm just telling you where I was. And I screamed, and I screamed in that prayer room all by myself. All right, devil, you love darkness. So here we are, no light shown. It's pure pitch dark. Whatever corner you're hiding in, come on out. Wherever you are, you want me, here I am by myself. Nobody here, no praise singers, no music, no nothing. It's just me and my tennis shoes and workout pants. And here I am if you want me. But I'm going to tell you something right now. I felt a wave of the presence of God in that prayer room sweep over me. I went out there and turned on the light. And I said, you know what, God? Maybe you are interested in what I'm doing. It wasn't but two days later. I get a phone call from a man of God. I've never met before. And he said, be at my church at 11 o'clock in the morning. I said, yes, sir, I will. For the next 25 weeks, I was gone preaching here and preaching there. I just got a text from one of them just a few moments ago. And he said, hey, I just got out of prayer for you. You're not going to be defeated. And God has called you to make a difference. Don't change. Have I got some men and women and young people in this house that say I am going to take revival personal and I'm going to be a part of this whether anybody else does or not, but I take it personal. But now, hang on. What, what time is it? Okay, I got time. I do not have to be home till 9 tonight. This is great. And the gas station I usually stop and eat at, they quit fixing my burger. So I'm just going to eat trash and keep going. But here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. I could talk about Dave and Goliath. And we'd all get going, okay, we said that. Let me say, I, the battle was not between David and Goliath. That wasn't the Goliath had no idea. He was already headless when David stepped out of the chariot. You're going down. Here was the battle that David won, and I tipped my hat to him, and I realized if that happens to the church, there's not a devil, a giant, a Goliath that's going to stop us. Why not have prayer meetings in CLC the size of this crowd this morning? Uh-oh, that got a yell and a head nod. But when you take it personal, hey, New Year's resolution. Here's another dumb question. How many of you believe God can raise the dead? Wait a minute. How many of you believe God can raise the dead? Okay, I believe it. But if God can raise the dead, somebody got to die. Any volunteers? Woo. 
How many of you believe that God can heal any, anybody of any disease? Come on, raise your hand. We get up to testify. We get that New Year's resolution. My God can heal people of anything. Any volunteers? Wants to get cancer? If we're going to have miracles, there's got to be something happen that's out of our control. How many of you, oh, this is going to get you. Maybe I'll have you stand to your feet when I ask this question. How many believe the Lord is going to return and rapture the church? Okay, if you really believe that, nobody should have to beg me to come to church. Nobody should beg me to pray. Nobody should beg me to give if I really believe that. Because if you really believe it, you'll take it personal. And when you make it personal, you won't wait on somebody else. <laughs> 49 years old, sitting on a subway in Philadelphia. Three young teenage boys, when it came to a stop, were being robbed at gunpoint by two men. They put the guns in these kids' faces, took their jackets, took what money they had, took the shoes off their feet while people watched. But a 49-year-old worker on his way home saw the fear on those kids' face, jumped up off the seat and began to run and scream at those three robbers. <laughs> Woo. They turned and fired. A bullet hit his leg, shot him in the leg. He fell. He got back up by the chance and kept on running until the robbers with the guns bolted through a door and took off. Here's what the story says. Not one of the passengers, not only did they not help the kids, but they didn't even help him when the robbers left and he lay there bleeding. Nobody lifted a finger. He had to wait till help come from elsewhere. Here's the point. That was the man that saw the fear and decided if nobody else is going to do anything, I'll make this personal and I'm going to try. She's sitting on the beach in Australia. She hears the frantic scream of a lady. It's a mother. And she's screaming, pointing, as her two children were swept away under the waters. She started screaming. People sat around. A lady that heard it jumped into the water, and she swam and kept swimming until she found both of them. She put one under one arm and one under the other, and she started getting back the best way she could to shore. But Crystal, it was too heavy. She was going under, but she'd come back up because she could hear those babies crying as the chance. Somebody came in the water and helped her. Here's the kicker. She was eight months pregnant. 
Everybody else sat there and had excuses, but not her. She didn't think about her pregnancy. She thought about somebody losing their children. The point is simply this, Monroe. Is there anybody in this church that hears the cry of this city? We're going to hell. Our children are lost. Is there anybody in this church that's willing to dive into the waters of revival and say, I'm taking this personal. When they show up at the preacher's house feeling guilty because they were going to break their seven-day fast, three girls who'd been delivered from drugs, pray through the Holy Ghost in you service. When the pastor said, what can I do for you? I was there. We're breaking our fast. We feel guilty. What do we do? He never fasted seven days. So he was trying to encourage him not to feel guilty. Question was asked. What can we do? What can we do? You get tired of people claiming to have the Holy Ghost, and you got a lot dynamite under to get them staying in the church service. You have people that walk in, and I'm not throwing stones. Hope y'all don't get mad at me. Don't take my trash away. But you got people that walk in their church services. All right, praise singers. Y'all better sing it down. Get me going. Well, who's going to get them going? What have they been fighting the devil all week long? And we got it all backwards. We're not supposed to sing to make us worship. We're supposed to worship to make us want to sing. Y'all didn't get that, but I'm going to say it again. Your Bible said, enter to his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise and be thankful unto him and bless his name. That's before any song, any, any musical instrument, before any of it. Who in Monroe will take this personal and say, count on me, Danny Chance, because I'm ready to confront every demon. The question was, what can we do to show God how much we're thankful for what he did for us. Here's what the pastor said. Here's what the pastor said. Well, you know, outside of getting the Holy Ghost yourself, winning somebody else to God, bringing people to church, I guarantee you, it's never happened to me. I don't know if it's ever happened to him. But he never had it, this pastor. When one of them said to him, how many are we allowed to bring Wasn't going to be no dinner on the ground because it was sub-zero weather and the snow was falling and the ice was thick. How many are we allowed to bring? He said, oh, you, you, know, you know what to say. Get as many as you can. Well, nobody was ready for the 135 they brought in on Sunday. Nobody was ready for the next four Sundays. Three young girls delivered from drugs brought over 400 brand new people inside the church house. Revival broke out. Are y'all hearing me? They started getting, we had to have church every night of the week because all I'm telling you is when revival really happens and people take it personal, it'll supersede your schedule. It'll supersede your plans. It'll say, God, I want to make this thing in my heart. We can sing fast songs, get everybody shouting. We can tell stories from Scripture, get everybody saying amen. 
we walk out of the building and say, nice singing, good sermon, yada, yada, yada. When's the last time you walked into your workplace and you had such an anointing on you, your coworker couldn't keep her mind or his mind on what they were doing because they kept feeling a presence from you. Yeah. When's the last time you walked down the aisle of the grocery store like it happened to one of our saints? They were in revival. She was in a Walmart. Notice the lady following her. When the lady stopped her, she was weeping. They had church that night. That's back when you had church a lot. <sighs> Ma'am, yes. I passed you on that aisle over there, and I can't get away from what I, you got to tell me. They walked outside in a Walmart parking lot, and she said, and began to witness to her about the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And she said, listen to this. She said, if you'll come to church tonight, you can receive it. Listen to this. The lady said, do I have to wait till tonight? What about right here? She said, I'm ready. And she began to sob, started repenting. Bahads raised her hands in the Walmart parking lot and began to speak in this heavenly language. She came to church that night and they baptized her in Jesus' name, but it was all because of an anointing that was walking up and down the aisle. When is revival gonna break out? When people approach us and say, I can't wait till Sunday. I can't wait till Wednesday. I, can't, I gotta do something now. Is anybody in this holy house Join with me and say, Preacher, I'm sending a message to God and my pastor. I'm making a move of God personal. Something's about to happen. Raise your hands and talk to the Lord. Come on, praise singers. I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Come on. You don't have to be just ended. you standing on your head. I see some tears in this house. I see people in this house saying, I'm not here because I got lucky. I'm here because God answered somebody's prayers. Who in this house would stand and raise your hands and say, I heard the words of the enemy. I heard the words of the Goliath. There is a cause. That's what David said. Is there not a cause A few days ago in Enoch, Utah, the authorities doing a welfare check found three adults and five precious children killed. Murder, suicide. Yesterday in North Carolina, five more found dead. Two adults, three children. Murder, suicide. Our world is going to hell in a handbasket. And I'm not saying this to be mean, but we got so-called apostolics that God can only move if he fits into our plans. While lives, I see you crying, while lives are being ripped apart, 
What are we, what, what, what are we waiting for? God is saying, it's here. I know Brother Chance agrees, because this is what I told my little church last Sunday. I can't wait till the end of the year. I can't wait till 2024 and get up and say the same thing. Whatever God's going to do, we got to have it done now. And all I'm saying is, it's not you and I waiting on Him. It's God waiting for somebody to step out of their comfort zone like David and look around and see the fear and say, why are we hiding? Why? The cause is greater than us. There's still a devil's hell. There's still lives being ripped apart. But something is going to literally blow CLC off the map. Because I believe there's people in this house that are going to walk down here and say, from this moment forward. I see you shaking your head. Yeah. This moment forward, I'm going to make living for God and a move of God in my church. It's going to be personal. From the back to the front, who's going to come down here with your hands raised? Shout into the high heavens with your voice. This is personal. I'm not going to sit there while young men are being robbed, if you know what I'm saying. I'm not going to sit there while children are drowning. I'm not going to sit here while people are going to hell. Somebody needs to cry. Somebody needs to pray. Somebody needs to make this personal. Come on, CLC. I feel it in the Holy Ghost. I feel it in the Holy Ghost.